Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning with the 35th verse. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Reverend Amy Birchhausen. And I'm so pleased to be here with you today. Um, I recently moved here to Matamidai about uh, in August, and I was so glad to find all of you here. This scripture today is quite familiar to many of us if we grew up in the church. I've always liked it because it shows James and John to be so utterly human uh, in, in this passage. And in the passage just before this, Jesus explains for the third time how things are going to play out when they get to Jerusalem. That he will suffer and die and be resurrected. It's almost like they didn't hear him correctly. Their response is to ask, hey Jesus, do us a favor. Make us your lieutenants when this is all over and you are in all your glory. It's as if they miss the words, suffer and die. They weren't the first ones with ears who did not hear it. Remember, this is the third time Jesus says this. Rolf Jacobson at Luther Seminary explains it like this. After the other first two interpretations of the Messiah's servant mission, and that's what he calls this, revelation or prediction about what will happen. 
The disciples also put their feet in their mouths. After the first interpretation, which is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus teaches something openly, Peter rebukes Jesus, and this in turn is rebuked by Jesus. After the second interpretation of the messianic identity, the disciples ask Jesus, which one of them is the greatest? To which Jesus responds by saying, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. It seems that the disciples at nearly every turn are calculating how they can use this experience of following Jesus for their own social and probably financial benefit. They just really don't understand what is happening in front of them. Like all of us at times, they are utterly clueless and human. But they just want to know and imagine what's in it for me. They aren't exactly looking to become servants. Their egos want more. I think it is telling, too, that in just before these three times when Jesus tries to explain what's really happening, he heals a blind man. And then after those three times he tries to tell them what's happening, he heals another blind man. Almost as if he's trying to tell us, even when you miss what is right in front of your face, you can still be healed and see with new eyes and a new heart. I have my own story that is an echo of the story of the disciples who have ears but do not hear. It has to do with my own lifelong spiritual learning and journey to love and trust God. Some years ago, I was struggling mightily as a new executive director of a failing pastoral counseling center on the verge of closure. On my second day of the job, I discovered we couldn't meet payroll, that people were going to go unpaid for their hard and faithful work. The center had been tottering for years, but the board didn't really know or understand it. Local clergy had lost their confidence in the center, and many bridges had been burned with local funders. I set about doing everything I could to turn the center around. I rebuilt bridges. I made difficult but important changes in the financial management of the center. I built a new board of directors and found an angel investor to help us move to a healthier place so that the important life-giving work of the center could continue to bring hope and healing to our community. But it wasn't easy. <laughs> In fact, many, many days, I thought my work wouldn't be good enough. I was racked with self-doubt, overwhelmed much of the time, and the problems seemed insurmountable. During this time, I was blessed with a couple of wonderful mentors. One was our angel investor, who believes in me so much that I began to believe in myself. The other was a consultant in the national network of, our, uh, of which our center was a member. He knew all the ins and outs of the small struggling centers and how they could be healthy and strong. He gave me lots of practical advice and I implemented almost every single thing he told me. He was also a very good listener, 
listening to all my angst and fear and sense of being completely overwhelmed by the work. One day he said to me, Amy, I think you might be a functional atheist. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you saying? In his kindest, most loving voice, he said, you say you believe in God, but you act as if everything is up to you. Wow. I was stunned, and I knew immediately that he spoke the truth. I had taken on the full burden of the center's survival, and only when I was utterly and completely desperate did I lean on God. Suddenly and then slowly, with many, many realizations, I saw that pattern that despite of my love of God, my commitment to the church and all God's people, despite my ordination, my years of chaplaincy and church work, I never really trusted God, except when I was absolutely desperate. Well, why would, why would that be the case? On some level, I was in it for me. I didn't recognize it, but unconsciously, I was in it to be the center's savior. I sought success, achievement, recognition. I guess I'm not all that different from the disciples I like to mock. This opening of my eyes so that I could truly hear was such an amazing blessing. And it is still my lifelong spiritual learning to lean on God before I am completely desperate. Turns out I don't have to wait that long. <laughs> I could actually lean on God every day. I still struggle with that. And from a practical point of view, once I trusted God a little more, trusted that God was in the struggle for the center's mission and purpose, I was more balanced and things really turned around. Now that center in Wisconsin is serving more people and families and schools than any of us ever could have imagined then. That's my story. What's yours? What's in it for you? Are there barriers that keep you from fully hearing God's word? from welcoming Jesus' call, from receiving the Spirit's comfort. You know your own story better than anyone else. You know your own yearning to feel God's healing presence more often, more closely, more truly. Maybe it's busyness, maybe it's exhaustion, maybe it's confusion, Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's an old grudge with God that you don't want to give up on. Maybe it's not believing that God loves you. Believe me, many a time I've been comforted by the idea that my picture is on God's refrigerator. Yours is too. It turns out that often our spiritual growth needs we need to welcome and approach something we'd prefer to ignore or avoid. That's when we really have to ask the question, what's in it for me? 
What am I trying to deny about myself and why? What image of myself do I need to protect? I was so blessed to have my mentor who saw something I could not see. I'm even more blessed that I was able to have the ears to hear him. Be kind to yourself in your own journey. Find a friend, a family member, spiritual guide, someone who can help you explore your own spiritual life and move into a closer relationship with God. Follow your deepest yearnings. What's in it for the church? Well, as I said, I feel so blessed that this congregation, a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, is so close to my new home here. And at the very first service I attended, I felt a presence of love and care, of faithfulness and even vitality. We may be small, we may be separated in body much of the time due to the pandemic, but we are still filled with the Holy Spirit. We are still seeking ways to be the servant that, God, that Jesus was trying so hard to lift up to the disciples. Sometimes churches want big budgets, big numbers, big buildings, big, 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 big. Not that unlike how James and John wanted big places besides Jesus, beside Jesus. Yet Jesus says over and over and over again, to be first, you must be last. To be a leader, you must be a servant. To be great, you must be humble. I feel this so beautifully here in this church, in this community of Christ and faithfulness. We are called to love, to be faithful, to bring justice, to serve, and to welcome all who seek a home with Jesus. We are not called, probably, <laughs> to be big or flashy or anything like that. We are called to be vital and authentic in our love for each other, for the community and God. What's really in it for us? An opportunity to know God more fully, to follow Jesus more closely, and to dwell with the Holy Spirit more authentically. When we pare down all our expectations and seek only God's realm and its righteousness, things become clearer, and all these things, the things we truly need, will be added unto us, given to us. This is my prayer for me, for you, and for all of us. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.